Today's shiur begins at the Mishnah that you'll find about a third of the way down from the top, or if you prefer to count 18 lines from the top. The Mishnah says, V'elu asuros milechol betrumo. The following are examples of women, though they are married to Kohanim, they are prohibited from continuing to eat truma. Truma, of course, is the tithe given to Kohanim, and even if the wives that these Kohanim married are not themselves from Kohen families, they're entitled, by virtue of their marriage to Kohanim, to eat truma. In this mission, we'll see several examples of women that even though they are married to Kohanim, they're not entitled to truma. Number one, Ho'imeris Tameo Ani Loch. A woman who declares to her husband that she has been defiled, meaning someone had intimacy with her other than, of course, the husband himself. Number two, Vishebo'u Edim Shehi Tameo. Witnesses came and informed us that she had intimacy with another man. Number three, Vahoimeris Aini Shoisa, a woman who has become a sota. She had been warned by her husband not to be in seclusion with so-and-so, and she violated the warning, and she says, I don't want to go to the Beis Hamikdosh and drink the special waters. Number four, Vashibalo Eino Rotsilash Gosa, or a case where the husband does not want <clears throat> to give her the waters to drink. Number five, Vishabalo Bo Oleo Baderach, or the case of the Sota woman going to the base of English, and while en route, her own husband, who is forbidden to have intimacy with her, goes ahead and violates the halacha, and is Bo Oleo Baderach, has relations with her uh, on their way. Before we go into the Gemara itself, we note on the side, under our no say, our topic heading, Din Rav Sheshes, Rav Sheshes's halacha, Soito Shiesh Lo Edim Bemedinas Hayam. A woman suspected of intimacy, she's a Sota, and there are witnesses, but they're not here. They're abroad. They're Bemedinas Hayam. They, these are witnesses that no testimony that she has been defiled. They haven't come because they're far away. So in the meantime, she is su- simply suspected. She goes to the base So the water is rendered ineffective because there are witnesses out there. That's Rav Sheshis's approach. We will see markings in the Gemara. A volcano shape will appear highlighting the names Rav Sheshis and Rav Yosef. Cholkim Be'inyan Hanal. They argue over this topic. Rav Sheshis says what he did, and Rav Yosef challenges him. The use of the double underline when it appears, just recognize it as Shlavei Birur Ba'she'elah Da'osu Edim Emas. We're going to see a quote from our Mishnah, uh, example number two. Witnesses come forth that she is Tameo, so the Mishnah says she cannot eat from Truma. We're going to be looking at that and establishing when did they come. Now the Gemara. Omar Rav Amram, Ha Milsa, Omar Lon Rav Sheshes. The following is something that Rav Sheshes taught us. The Anher Lon Ainin Mimasisen. And he brought a proof to his teaching from the Mishnah. This uh, expression would literally mean he lit up our eyes. On her, Nohar is light. So he enlightened us from the Mishnah. Basically, he brought proof to his teaching from the Mishnah. So we notice we have no, um, marked Aleph and Beis. So there, there are two points. One is his halacha, and the second is the proof that he brought to it. In, in accordance with the Aleph and Beis that we've noted already, you'll see as we go on in the Gemara, an Aleph and Beis appear again, 
uh, in parentheses. So Aleph is what was Rav Sheshis' teaching. The woman who is currently suspect in our eyes, but there are witnesses that know she had intimacy, but they haven't come forth. They're abroad. So the water will not be effective in establishing her status. In other words, you might have a woman in a situation like this, coming to the basement, just drinking the waters, and nothing, has ha- nothing happens to her. The, the sota fate, the, the uh, uh, bloated belly and the eventual death won't take place. Ah, but she's guilty. Why didn't the water establish her guilt? Because there were witnesses that were aware of it. So that's what we mean. Ein hamayim boitkin oisadam. The waters will not check her out. They won't establish her guilt, even though she's guilty. Even though she's guilty because, well, the, the witnesses can testify to that effect. My taima, diomakro. Why is it so that the water is rendered ineffective? Because the pasuk says v'nistera v'hi nitmaah. The aid ain ba deleko di yodaba. The pasuk says she went into seclusion. She became defiled. Aid ain ba, and there is no witness whatsoever. There is no one that knows about what she did. La fuke ha to the exclusion of this scenario where there are witnesses. Bemedina sayam da iko di yodaba. There are those that know. The pasuk said. Can, describing the sota and the drinking and the, the water being effective only in a case of Eidein, but where no one knows anything. But where people know, you have witnesses that are out there somewhere and out there abroad, the water will not be effective. Um, it, it's true that we've used this posuk already in the past. We've learned in previous tapim, Eidein Ba, meaning two, there aren't, but one, there is. Rashi is aware of that. But it's not a problem because here we're viewing the Pusik on its, we'll say, its uh, simplest level of understanding, which is also a legitimate um, method of understanding Torah. There's a concept known, Ein Mikro Yoitse Mide Pshuto. Verses do not um, depart their simple meaning, their almost literal meaning. Of course, as Jews, we don't stop at that. We don't look at verses and say their only meaning is their literal meaning. However, there is value to knowing what the literal meaning is, and it has, at times, it has, in fact, a, a practical application. So, that having been said, we continue. And Rav Sheshis brought proof from our Mishnah, Dekotani. It says in our Mishnah, by the way, note that we have a long point marking. It says in our Mishnah, uh, Our Mishnah, it told us there are several kinds of women or circumstances that the women will not be allowed to eat from Truma. Now, the witnesses that came forth, according to our Mishnah, well, the Asu Adam Amos, when did they come forward? If you're describing witnesses that came before she drank the sota water in the base Amikdash, well, Zonohi, that's that's obvious. It's obvious that she's prohibited from eating Truma. She is the classic case of Zona, a woman, a married woman who engaged in immoral activity in in, in, in uh, forbidden intimacy. And a zona is a type of Kohen-based prohibition. <clears throat> the uh, Torah says that a, a Kohen is not allowed to marry a zona. So the marriage with a woman, a, a, a woman while married, having relations with another man, makes her, categorizes her as that, a zona. And it's obvious she cannot eat truma. You don't need the Mishnah to tell us about witnesses that can testify to her guilt of 
forbidden intimacy prior to her drinking of the water in the base amigdash that she cannot eat truma. That's simple. Ella de lebosser de shasoi. We're describing a case where <clears throat> witnesses came telling us that she had forbidden intimacy and their, their uh, appearance is after she drank the water and nothing happened to her. Now just think about that for a second. The uh, sota water is designed, miraculously speaking, to cause her to die if she was guilty. Here you have a woman that drank the water and nothing happened to her. Well, wouldn't that tell you then she's innocent? Well, we're not saying that here. She drank the water, nothing happened. Witnesses came and said she was engaged in forbidden intimacy. The mission tells us she has to stop eating truma. <laughs> if you say, as Rav Shesha said, the water is rendered ineffective, shoppier, then we understand why, on the one hand, the witnesses are viewed as honest witnesses. We accept their testimony. The Mishnah indicates that we accept their testimony. So they're kosher witnesses. They're not liars. And, the, and at the same time, nothing happened to her. Why did nothing happen to her? Because the render, the water was rendered ineffective. Just like Rav Shesha said. If you are going to say that water works under all circumstances, when the woman is guilty, she will die. Whether or not there are witnesses. Well then, if you're going to say the water checks her out, and then witnesses come, and, and that means that, and in our case, nothing happened to the woman. And then witnesses came and said she's guilty. Tigli Milsulamafreya, then retroactively, we should say, the Hasadi Shakrinin, these are liars. From the fact that here a woman drank the water, nothing happened to her, seeming that would then show that she's definitely innocent. And these guys come along, say she was engaged in forbidden intimacy, we should declare them liars. But we don't. For Mishnah, indicates that they are viewed as, they are accepted as honest witnesses. She has to stop eating truma as a result of their testimony, indicating that she was involved with forbidden intimacy, on their word. Ah, what about the water? Why did she not uh, die? Because the water was rendered ineffective. Omar lay Rav Yosef. Rav Yosef comes to disagree with Rav Sheshis. Even if there are witnesses out there, the water is going to be effective. Now, you have to then go over the problem here. We're accepting these witnesses. That's a given throughout the whole sugi. We're not going to be declaring them liars. We're accepting them. So you've got a woman that's, that's essentially guilty, and she didn't die. But you're telling me the water will... Cause her to die if she's guilty. We continue. Vaha, and the, the, the case in our Mishnah, where the woman is, yes, guilty, but nothing happened to her, Amor, I will explain it, Zchus Toila Law. Zchus is merit. Later in the Gemara, in the, not in today's Shir, but the Gemara will describe what that merit is, how does a woman achieve that merit, but whatever it is, for our purposes, there was some uh, uh, we'll say some spiritual defense mechanism even though she's guilty even though the water is effective but there is something that stopped the water's effectiveness but not the presence of the witnesses not the existence of the witnesses what's the underlying point of difference between Rav Sheshis and Rav Yosef Misnafna is a word indicating, let's say, uh, decay, deterioration, that is spoken about by Rebbe. Tisnan, and here is a source in which Rebbe and his halach of Misnafna appears. Rebbe Oimer, Zchus Toile B'mayim Hamorim. Merit forestalls the uh, judgment powers of 
the water the Sota drinks. Vieno Yoledes, Vieno Mishabachas, she, being guilty, will not be capable of bearing children. She does not improve. She, she starts to deteriorate. Eventually, she dies, it might be, we'll call it a slow death, through what the ordinary Sota, who doesn't have merit, would experience the uh, expansion of her belly and the lower part of her anatomy falling away. Uh, in Hebrew, we call that Sivui Bitna and Nipul Yerech. So that Rebbe tells us, we'll say Rebbe's opinion is, that a woman who has merit will experience um, deterioration, even though she doesn't experience immediate death. Rav Sheshes Sovar, Bain Rebbe, Ubain Lerabonon, Havyo Misnavna. Rav Sheshis holds that all opinions would agree that she, if guilty and, and has merit, would start deteriorating. The Rabbonin would, would, would also say, and I emphasize that point here, the Rabbonin would also say, not just Rebbe, that if she's guilty, she would start deteriorating. In other words, merit does not Merit alone, merit alone, does not uh, render the water uh, ineffective. And if you have a woman that's not deteriorating, and witnesses later come forward testifying to her guilt, and we accept the witnesses, this shows us that the water when confronted with a woman that didn't experience any deterioration, the water was rendered ineffective. For Rav Yosef Savar, Lerebi Havio Misnavna. Rav Yosef says that a woman with merit would start deteriorating. The Rabbonon, Lo Havio Misnavna. Chus, merit, renders the water totally ineffective. And that's the reason that she did not deteriorate. But not because there were witnesses. So if you focus in on the point of difference between Rav Sheshis and Rav Yosef, once again, acknowledging as a given in this Gemara that when the two witnesses eventually show up, we believe them. The Mishnah says, as a result of their testimony, she stops eating truma. We believe the witnesses. But she drank the water prior to this. According to Rav Sheshes, the fact that nothing happened to her, that's because of the, the, the witnesses existed at the time she drank the water. According to Rav Yosef, why did nothing happen to her? Because Zhus, merit that she had rendered the water totally ineffective. According to Rav Sheshes, Merit would not render the water totally ineffective. Merit alone would, uh, even according to the Rabbonon, would, would prevent the water from instant effect, but she would start deteriorating. If you see a woman that is not deteriorating, according to Rav Sheshis, it's because there were witnesses out there. As you can see, we have triangles that appear, and on the side, under the Mivneh, the structural note, the triangle represents a kushios al dino shel ravsheshes. They are uh, questions on ravsheshes, and you'll see the Gemara presents questions from uh, Tanaic sources. Mosiv Ravsimi Barashi, Rav Shimon Oimer, Ein Schus Toilu B'mayim Hamorim, Merit does not suspend the effectiveness of the bitter waters. That's the literal translation. Those are the special waters that the Sota drinks. Rabbi Shimon says that if you would say merit would, uh, has the power of suspending the effectiveness of the water, Matche Ato Esamayim Bifnei Kol Hanoshim 
The word madche, we look in the Rashi, four lines from the bottom. Madche es amayim b'fnei hanoshim. Shelo yu yireyos madche literally means is to cast aside, to push aside. And in what sense do we mean the water is pushed aside? Shelo yu yireyos mehem lahoidos shitameya. If the water could be rendered ineffective, it's not going to serve as a deterrent, a let's say an incentive for women who are guilty to admit their guilt. What is the value in a woman who's guilty in admitting her guilt before the water, before drinking the water? Part of the water preparation, the special sota water involves the erasing of the Almighty's name over the water, so that there's a uh, parchment containing the Parsha Sota that's written out, and that, that Parsha, which has the name of God in it, is then erased. And it means it involves scratching off the ink uh, into the water. If the woman would admit she's guilty, uh, hopefully out of the fear of the water killing her, then the process stops and we spared the Almighty's name from being erased. So how do we uh, motivate women to confess? By making sure they're aware that the water is going to kill them if they are in fact guilty. And if they are in fact guilty, they'll confess. They don't want to die as a result of the drinking of the water. And will save God's name from being erased. So Reb Shimon explains that the water is going to be effective under all circumstances. Because if you're going to say that merit would stop the water from being effective, you will have a guilty woman relying on her merit and saying, uh, oh, I'm not, uh, she'll, she'll go ahead, I'm not guilty, I'll drink the water. And not be afraid of it killing her, relying on this chus. So Reb Shimon says that this, this chus is not effective. Because if you would say that the schus is toilet that suspends the water's effectiveness, as we just described, and another outcome of this is, is that you'll have really innocent women that drank and nothing happened to them. People would say, They're really guilty, but they had merit. And that's why the water was stopped. When you say water was stopped, means that's why they, the water it had no effect on them. So according to <coughs> this <coughs> source, Rip Shimon, a Tanaic source, water is going to always be effective on guilty women. If there would be things that would stop the water from being effective, so as you can see, those things, for example, merit, something that Rip Shimon spoke about, merit, well, you won't deter the guilty women from drinking, and you also have a situation where innocent women are going to be viewed as guilty in the eyes of the public, and why nothing happened to her? Because of the merit. The Amy saw the Gemara continues. If Rav Sheshes is correct, so just like Zchus would have presented a problem uh, if it would have rendered the water ineffective, Yesh lo edim b'menias hayam nami ata motzi shem ro al hatahoros sheshasu. If Rav Sheshes were correct, you're going to have this. Uh, we'll say shem ra bad name aspersions cast upon women who are really innocent. And people will say, oh, yeah, she drank and nothing happened to her. She's really, she's really guilty of, in- of forbidden intimacy. Ah, uh, why did nothing happen? And they'll say, they're really, they're really defiled. And why nothing happens? Because there were witnesses that rendered the water ineffective. So that you see from this, by accepting Rav Sheshis' approach, 
you're going to be running up against the Tana. Rabsheshus was an Amora. He was a later scholar. You would, you would assume that he wouldn't say something contrary to Rabbi Shimon. And according to Rabbi Shimon's outlook, what, if a woman is guilty, the water is going to be effective, regardless of merit, regardless of the presence of witnesses, contrary to Rav Sheshis. The Gemara responds, the Rav Shimon Kamras, are you raising an objection to Rav Sheshis from Rabbi Shimon? Rabbi Shimon, in, in effect, it's true he's a Tana, but he is a unique opinion. He's a single opinion. The Rabbi Shimon midzchus lo talio edim nami lo talu. From the fact that zchus merit will not suspend the water, witnesses that are out there will also not suspend the water. That's Rabbi Shimon's opinion. But the Rabbonon will disagree and they say, like Rav Sheshis, that if there are witnesses out there, the water is rendered ineffective. Mosiv Rava. Rava quotes a Tanaic source. Notice that we have a long question marking. In this uh, section of Gemara, there is reference made to the meal offering. The Sota, in addition to drinking the special water in the Beis Hamikdash, she also brings a barley meal offering. The Gemara on Omid Beis, I should point out ahead of time, is going to make uh, quite a bit of reference to the topic of meal offerings. For, so for those of you who are not familiar with the details of meal offerings, you're going to find this Gemara making reference to uh, numerous new ideas. And uh, as we go along, we'll try to provide a basic amount of explanation. And uh, at times you might think that we're getting off the topic. And that's because... The Gemara is focusing on details concerning meal offerings. But when we get to the heart of the question, we'll try to emphasize the tie-in between the issue of the meal offering and how Rava sees a question on Rav Sheshis from these laws. So the uh, Gemara continues, V'elu shimin chayseyin nisrafos. The following are Sota cases where their mincha, which is also referred to as the a minchas knos, where knos, where kinui, which we've spoken about quite a bit already, the Baal, the husband, warns her, the kinei as ishto. The minchas knos, this is a, as we mentioned already, it's a barley meal offering. It's a fairly unusual offering in that sense that there, other than the Omer offering on the 16th of Nisan every year in order to matir the chodosh, matir the new grains, it too was from barley. You don't find other menachas from barley grain or barley flour. Rather, they are from wheat. So, the following are cases where <clears throat> the mincha that the woman uh, brings to the Beis Hamikdash is not going to be used. Nisrafos means literally burnt, but don't think means burnt on the Mizbeach. It means burnt on the off to the side of the Mizbeach, it's called the base Hadeshen, a sign that they are rendered unfit, that the Mincha is rendered unfit. Let's continue now at the top of Omid Beis. Holimeris Temea Anilach, a woman who declares to her husband that in fact I sinned, I had intimacy, Vishabolo Edim Shehi Temea, or witnesses came and said, she is defiled. She has been defiled. She has had forbidden intimacy. Same type of questioning that we had on the first challenge. The witnesses coming. When did they come? If they came before the mincha, the meal offering, was sanctified in a a service vessel, so you have a let's say a bowl of barley flour that the woman has in a in a in a bowl that she brought from her home. It's not a klishores. It's not a service vessel. It's a personal vessel that she brought the mincha 
to the base Hamikdash. If the witnesses that testified to her guilt came at that point, then the Sota ritual process would stop. So if, it, if they came at that point before the, the uh, barley meal offering was sanctified in a service vessel, the mincha, it's not necessary anymore because once we know for sure that the woman is guilty, so the entire sota process stops. The sota process which involves the drinking, the, the bringing of the meal offering, all of that is in order to establish or to determine a, a doubt that we have. But when two witnesses come, that, then we don't have any more doubt. There's no need to continue with the sota process, including the offering of the meal offering. So if they came before the mincha was kodosh bekli, tepuk means it simply reverts to a common status, a non-sanctified status. It's true that she might have sanctified it before coming to the base. I mean, that's called Kedushas Peh, verbal sanctification. Verbal sanctification is not a high level of sanctification. And as such, as long as the meal offering has not been sanctified in a service vessel, it would revert to Chulin, to a, to a mundane status. Why then would the source say that it is burnt as a rejected meal offering? Ela leposer de kadosh. You know what? The witnesses came after the meal offering was sanctified. So that means that until the witnesses showed up, the sota process was going to continue, including the idea of the drinking of water that would be effective. Oh, do you hear what we're saying? Including the drinking of the water that would be effective, even though witnesses will be showing up. That's going to show us that the fact that there were witnesses out there does not render the water from being ineffective. Because if the water is ineffective, so there's no need for the meal offering to be offered either. So let's continue. The source that Rava said, indicates that when witnesses come, we're then going to burn as a, a sign of rejection of her meal offering. Well, if you're going to take the approach unlike that of Rav Sheshis, that the water would, even though there are witnesses, would still be capable of establishing her guilt, Alma Bas Mikdashumikravhi. It shows us that the meal offering that she brought was subject to sanctification and offering. We mentioned we'll mention it again. This there's a an integral relationship between the meal offering that she brings and the the if, and effective water. And when it was initially sanctified namely the meal offering, when it was initially put into the service vessel, Shapir Kodosh, it became sanctified quite legitimately, quite properly, and that's why at this point, after having been truly sanctified, it's now rejected, and being that it had sanctification in a service vessel, it can't be redeemed anymore. It can't revert to a status of chulin, the mundane status. So that the source that described the burning of the mincha as a rejected mincha, which is a sign that the mincha had reached kedusha saguf, had reached total sanctity, indicating to us that up till the point that the witnesses opened their mouths, up to that point, the entire Sota process was designed to continue, was anticipated to continue in its totally effective manner. Amris Ain If you're going to take the approach of Rafshesh's that the water is rendered ineffective by the fact that there are witnesses out there. I know that 
we don't we don't know of their existence until they come. But when they come and open their mouths, tigli milsalamafreya, let it be revealed retroactively. The chikadosh meikara when the mincha was initially sanctified. It was sanctified under mistaken circumstances. And as such, it's called Hegdish Betois. It's called mistaken sanctification. And as such, it reverts to its Hulin status, its mundane status. Why does it have to be burnt as a rejected Mincha? So from this Tanaic source, that Mincha Sin is Rafos, and uh, the witnesses uh, had come after the sanctification and the ultimate burning and the rejection of the mincha shows us that the witnesses would not have rendered the water as ineffective. Just to repeat, had the water been rendered ineffective, the mincha could have been salvaged and revert back to Chulin. So we have from Minchisem Nisrofos a kasha, a difficulty on Rav Sheshis. As we continue in the Gemara, diamonds appear uh, on the side under the Mivneh heading, Shuvos Litovas Rav Sheshis. These are responses uh, for the, we'll say, the benefit of Rav Sheshis. Omar Rav Yehuda Midiskarta Kegoin Shezinsa Ba'azora The Mishnah that spoke about the Mincha being burnt that's a case of a Sota woman. She was brought to the Beis Amigdash and she had uh, intimacy in the Azora. She had intimacy in the Beis Amigdash itself after the Mincha was sanctified in the vessel. And it's on this particular act of intimacy that the witnesses are coming forward. Not the act of intimacy concerning which she was initially brought to the base Hamikdash. She was brought to the base Hamikdash on grounds of suspicion. And she entered the base Hamikdash, they sanctified a mincha. In a service vessel, so far, that's what should be done. And after that took place, she was overcome with passion and had intimacy right there in the base Hamidosh. So at the time that the, uh, and, and, and it's regarding that intimacy that the witnesses will be speaking up. But regarding the mincha that was sanctified in the Klishores, well, up till that point, there weren't any witnesses concerning uh, intimacy she may have had before, i.e. the intimacy that created the suspicion for her being a Sota in the first place. So that since she was Zinsabazora, when the Mincha was sanctified, it was prior to her Znus, to her intimacy in the temple courtyard, and therefore, may Shapir Kadosh, as the Gemara said, it's the mincha sanctification was done properly and there's no need, therefore, to burn it when we find out that the sota process is going to stop, but based on a subsequent act of intimacy, that which she did in the Azora. What kind of scenario is this? What do you mean she had intimacy in the temple courtyard? Pirchekin are the well the young uh, assistant Kohanim. Are they not accompanying her? Aren't they? Uh, isn't she under their watchful eye? The Gemara says we well, have watchful eye, very nice. But Shizinsha mi Kuna Atzmon. She actually had intimacy with one of them. Ravashi Omar, a second explanation. Kigon shenitzrucha linikoveha. Ravashi says. It's not as if the guards that were asked to guard her would have stumbled, would have had intimacy with her. But rather, there was a point uh, that she needed to relieve herself. She had to go to the bathroom. That's what Nitzra Cholinikovel means. She had to relieve herself. Are the Pirchekuna, the, the guards, are they uh, bound 
to her, and therefore she was left unguarded for a few moments, and it's at that point that with someone else, not one of her guards, with someone else, she happened to have intimacy. Don't forget, we're dealing with a married woman. She can, she's prohibited from intimacy, even, even from her own husband. So, with uh, Rav Yehuda Midiskarta's approach, <coughs> we can understand how, on the one hand, Rav Sheshis' din can be preserved, that the presence of witnesses out there would render water ineffective. Uh, however, the source regarding the burning, the rejection of her mincha upon the arrival of witnesses, it's not witnesses concerning the initial act of intimacy concerning which the suspicion arose, but rather it's the it's testimony concerning a subsequent act of intimacy in the Azorah, which prior to that, there were no witnesses, and that's why the mincha that was sanctified was sanctified under under uh, honest or acceptable circumstances, and when we find out later because of a subsequent act of intimacy that the soto process must stop, so the mincha that was properly sanctified is now a rejected mincha and is burnt and doesn't revert back to chulin. Rav Papa Omar. Now, you see with our markings that Rav Papa is a second point of defense for Rav Sheshis. On the side of the more we have a tatno, say a, a subtopic heading, which reads as follows, Lefit Shuvas Rav Papa Oimrim, the sorfen minchosa, the burning of her mincha, even though by letter of the law, it should revert to, back to chulin, based on uh, what Rav Sheshis says, that when witnesses come, so the water uh, would have been rendered ineffective, and therefore the whole sota process would stop. There's no need for the mincha. The mincha, therefore, when sanctified, was sanctified under mistaken circumstances, but all this we'll know retroactively. So that me'ikir hadin, by letter of the law, it should revert back to its mundane, its chulin status. Yet, we continue on the side, Gezeiro Shemo Yomru Motsin Miklishores Lechol. We're afraid of what image would be created in the, in the eyes or in the minds of the public if they see a mincha having been put into a service vessel, then being returned to a mundane status. That will create uh, a misimpression in people's minds. They're not being aware of the facts, of the details that. In this case, the mincha was uh, was sanctified under mistaken circumstances because of Rav Sheshis's rule. But they will think that in general, uh, meal offerings that were that experienced sanctification can be redeemed and go back to chulin, and that is not true. So the rabbonin intervened and they imposed a gzera. We're going to burn this mincha and not allow it to revert back to chulin, so that people don't get wrong ideas in general about sanctified meal offerings. The Gemara. We're going to say like we said initially, namely that the witnesses came after, the witnesses concerning the original suspected intimacy, they came after the meal offering that she was bringing because of that suspicion was sanctified in a service vessel. And in fact, the water is rendered ineffective. It won't check her out, just like Rav Shesha says. Oh, the koamers will type of If you're going to say, well, once it's once the water is rendered ineffective, so then the the whole need for bringing the mincha is unnecessary. Let it revert to its mundane status, the chulin. Why not? Why does the Tanaic source say it's burnt? Midarabonon. It's burnt based on rabbinic teaching, based on a rabbinic law. A a fence is built in so that people don't get the wrong idea. People don't get the idea that uh, sanctified meal offerings can go from Kodesh, from uh, from a Klishore, uh, from a service vessel, to become mundane. Just to repeat that point, in general, when something was 
actually sanctified in a service vessel, it, it achieves something called Kedusha Saguf, inherent sanctity. Once something achieves inherent sanctity, it cannot be redeemed. It cannot go back to its Hulin status. It's true in our case. It, retroactively, it never achieved uh, inherent sanctity because it was Kodesh Betos, because there were witnesses out there, and as Rav Shesha says, the water is rendered ineffective, but people don't know all those details. So that to prevent people from getting the idea of Moitzin Miklishoris Lechol, in this case too, we're going to say that the Mincha, the meal offering she brought, must be burnt as a rejected meal offering, and not as Hegdish uh, Betos going back to being Chulin. Mosiv Rav Mori. This question is a it's a question on Rav Popo's answer. It's true that if you can create a question on Rav Popo's answer, you are in effect if you're going to knock out, let's say, Rav Popo's answer, so then you in effect would be reinstating the kasha on Rav Sheshis. But for for our purposes, let's. Let's say, let's focus on this uh, essentially long question. It takes in a, an entire Tanaic source, but let's focus uh, on it as a question directed at Rav Papa. Before getting involved with the details of this source, take note of the fact that most of the source we've put into brackets. And you notice we have a starred note in the margin which reads Tam HaSograim the reason for the brackets Achrei HaSograim Ophia Ikur HaKushya the main question will appear after the bracketed section so let's do that right now Rav Papa told us that there is a Gzeira de Rabbonon that Menachas that were sanctified though mistakenly they're going to be burnt anyway and will not revert to Hulin in this source, we have a focus on a meal offering and the Sota woman. And it, notice the section that's dashed, underlined after the brackets. It says, Nimsu Eideha Zemimin. Witnesses that claimed she had engaged in intimacy. In other words, witnesses that declared her guilt are found to be Zoymimim. Zoymimim is found to be liars. Minchosa Hulin. Her Mincha, though it was sanctified, it was placed in a service vessel, it reverts to becoming Hulin. It reverts to a mundane status. So what do we see? We see that whatever sanctification had taken place up to that point, had no uh, effect. It was all a mistake. And therefore, what happens to the mincha? It becomes chulin. We don't say, burn it, midurabonon, because uh, people will think that things can go from service vessels to chulin. We don't seem to be worried about that. And yet, Rav Papa said that was a concern. Here we have a Tanaic source that indicates it's not a concern. Hence, our question on Rav Papa. The Gemara will answer that there is no question on Rav Papa. And the Gemara says, Zomimim kola islahu. The case of Adim Zomimim is well known. It's kol means something that's well known by the public. Everyone knows that when the condemning witnesses are found to be liars, that it's all one big mistake. And therefore, it becomes chulin, and not at the expense of creating a wrong impression that things that enter service vessels do not revert to chulin status. Let us emphasize a detail that's very important we may have overlooked the source that said Nimsu Eideha Zoymimin that the witnesses were found to be liars we are referring to the witnesses that testified about her initial seclusion and if you find out that there were no witnesses for the initial seclusion for the stira there's no sota process to begin with 
the Sota process takes place only once there was warning and seclusion. And the seclusion would be known to us based on witnesses having said she was in seclusion. And if that is found to be fraudulent, that there was no seclusion, there's no Sota process. Well, anyway, as the Gemara said, the case of Adam's Omen is well-known. That's a well-known mistake, and people will not misconstrue uh, laws regarding Menachas from that particular scenario. Okay, now let's go back over the entire text, bearing in mind that we emphasized that which is really relevant to our Sukya. Mosiv Rappopo. Nitmeis Minchasa, if a Mincha brought by the Sota became defiled, it came into contact with, let us say, a source of Tuma, like a dead Sheretz, Ad Shalo Kitsha Bikli, if it happened before it was sanctified in a service vessel, Harehi Kechol Hamenochus Vitifteh, it follows the rule of all other meal offerings, and it is redeemed and becomes mundane, becomes Chulin. Once the Sota meal offering is sanctified in a service vessel and it becomes Tomei, it is treated like all other Menachas that become sanctified, after becoming sanctified, they become defiled, they're burnt. Kidesh Hakometz. After a meal offering is transferred from the vessel's that she brought from her house into a base humming dish service vessel, a handful of the meal offering is taken, and that handful is called a kometz. It, in turn, is placed in a second service vessel. That's called kidesh hakometz. So the handful, which, by the way, is eventually placed in the fire on the top of the mizbeach, leaving the rest of the bowl full of barley flour as, as shirayim, that which is left over and that is consumed by the kohanim. So kidesh hakometz velo hispik lahakrivo ad shemes hu o ad shemesahi if the handful after sanctified but not yet burnt on the mizbeach the husband died before it was offered, or she died, the Sota died before it was offered. So then, what happens is, is that this now becomes a rejected Mincha, and it's burnt. If the handful was placed on the altar, which is, which is what it is designed to do, so you have a mincha that was in a, was basically was offered properly. And the only thing that was left to take place was to eat the shirayim. The mincha handful having been offered properly enables the shirayim to be eaten. But before they were actually eaten, the husband died or she died. It's treated like all other minachas under similar circumstances where the offering took place and the owner died, the balance, the shirayim, will be eaten by the Kohanim. Shal HaSofeg Bos Mitchila Originally, it was brought because of the doubtful circumstances. Kipra Sveiko Valchala. Kipra usually means atonement. Here it's a reference to it being offered. In the case of Menachas, the different stages of a mincha parallel the different stages of a sacrifice being offered. So that in a animal sacrifice you have the sprinkling of the blood on the altar. In a meal offering you have the offering of the handful of flour placed in the altar's fire. So that's what kipra means. Kipra sveka, the offering took place under the uh, still doubtful circumstances. And it Finished. In other words, the process was done properly, and therefore the Shirayim, even though the Sota's dead now or the uh, husband died, that doesn't affect the Shirayim and they can be eaten. Ba'u la Adim Shihit witnesses come saying that she was defiled, and therefore 
if witnesses come say that she had she had intimacy, there's no longer any doubt. So there's no longer any need for offering the mincha. The mincha is offered in conjunction with the water that she drinks, which is all a function of a state of doubt. But when two witnesses come say that she had illicit intimacy, there's no more any there's no doubt anymore. Minchosa nisrefa. So the uh, the mincha is burnt. And here what, we, we pointed this out earlier, but this could be a point of confusion. The Edel here is not a reference, Edel means her witnesses. It's not a reference to the witnesses that were in the line just above this word. These are the witnesses that originally testified that she had gone into seclusion, which is a binding element for the Sota process to start to begin with. Those very witnesses that testified that she had been in seclusion were found to be false. Minchosa chulin. The mincha, even though it was sanctified in a service vessel after having had having verbal sanctification, nevertheless it reverts to its original chulin status. This would seem to challenge Rav Papa. Rav Papa said that even though uh, circumstances arise showing that the initial sanctification was under mistaken circumstances the mincha will be burnt anyway here we don't see that the mincha is burnt anyway the Gemara answers Edim Zomimim Kamris are you trying to challenge Rav Papa from the case of Edim Zomim Edim Zomim Kola Is Lahu the case of Edim Zomim is one of of great I'll say of familiarity or is well known by the public that it's one big mistake and therefore the fact that the mincha in this case reverts to chulin won't lead people to think that in general menachas that are sanctified in service vessels can revert to chulin however in the case of uh, that eventually show up like uh, the Rav Sheshes halacha if in that case legitimate witnesses come forth and uh, even though the Mincha technically speaking wasn't necessary because of Rav Sheshes's din but it's not well known and therefore the Mincha will have to be burnt so as to prevent any mistake on the part of the public we have a Brisa, a Tanaic source supporting Rav Sheshis that Edim b'Medina Sayam render the water ineffective. However, not on the basis of Rav Sheshis's source, Rav Sheshis's um, scriptural source. Rav Sheshis, if you recall, cited the Aid Ein Ball that in order for the Sota process to be effective, there has to be no one that's aware of it. And if someone is aware of it, then the process uh, is rendered, it stops, is ineffective. However, we have Rav Sheshis's conclusion that witnesses out there stop the water from being effective, but not from the same source. And that is now the feature of this particular um, brysa. The Pasuk says... Rashi quotes the Pesach. You can see this by looking at Rashi five lines from the bottom. So we're going to focus on the word utahorahi. And in the Gemara, it says tahorah. Velo shiyesh lo edim b'medinas hayam. The woman is considered innocent and tahorah and hence will uh, benefit from the blessings that the Torah gives, uh, and bear, bear children, improve, etc., but not a woman who was spared from the effects of the water because she happened to have witnesses. So, what do you see from this? The presence of witnesses will stop the water from being effective. Just let it be known. She's not going to die as a result of the water, but she's also not going to. Uh, benefit from the blessings of a woman who is truly Torah, who is truly innocent. U Torah, the Vav of that word, Velo Shitosaloschus. A woman, again, will benefit from the blessings of a truly innocent woman, as the Torah says, Venixov and Israzera, she'll have children, she'll improve, 
that's true if she's truly innocent. Not a case of a woman who was spared from the effects of the water, but not out of innocence, but because she had merit. The Pesach says, He, Tahora u Tahora He, Velo Shiyusu Vyitnu Ba Mazoros Balavana. This is a, a topic that will be referred to later in the Masifta, but the Pesach is, uh, is uh, describing, once again, a woman who is truly innocent, and as a result of her true innocence, she was spared from the effects of the water, as opposed to another kind of woman spared from the effects of the water, not because of innocence, but because her immorality is well known. So much so that the Noshim, as described in this source, is the, the, the Moizoros Bolovana means is a reference to, the, to women that sit out and uh, spin wool in, in, the, uh, in the moonlight. But it's a reference to public knowledge of her, of her, her immorality. Women whose, whose immorality is the subject of public knowledge, that kind of woman will not be affected by the water, but certainly not because of her innocence, but rather because of the uh, fact that her lewdness is well known. The Gemara continues with a question. We had learned Shitas Rabbi Shimon that merit, according to Rabbi Shimon, schus is not toila. That schus does not prevent the waters from being affected. Now, this, of course, you could see on the on Omed Aleph, the first wide line, we had a Tanaic source. Rabbi Shimon says, Ein schus uh, merit does not stop the water from being affected. If, though a woman may have merit, if she was guilty of, of immorality, she will die, according to Rabbi Shimon. And Rabbi Shimon also had an explanation for that, as we saw earlier. Here we have a Tanaic source. And in this source, you see ref- a reference by virtue of a Pasuk to the water being rendered ineffective because of, we said, the water is ineffective. If it's ineffective, it doesn't affect her because she's truly innocent. So she will benefit from the brachas promised in the Pesach. But not a woman who was protected from the effectiveness of the water because of merits. Though she had merits, but she really was guilty. But what do we see from here? We see that the Torah is acknowledging the ineffectiveness of water as a result of merit. So now the Gemara asks, on, this is a, a, a question from a Pasuk on what the Tana said. The Rebbe Shimon, focusing on that source that we saw in Amun Aleph, Nehi Devov Lo Dorish, granted that he might not place emphasis on the Vov in the word Utahorab. Rabbi Shimon, who said that merit does not stop the water because of the chashash of laz, the Moshen Hora people say about the Tahoros, granted he doesn't see significance in the Vav. However, the Ha Ika Yeshla Edim Bemedinas Hayam, in the source, we saw that merit will stop the water. And how does the source know that? From the vov, that was darshan from the, in the word utahora. But Rabbi Shimon, as we explained earlier, said just like merit doesn't stop the water, we said Rabbi Shimon will tell you that Eidim b'medina sayam will also not stop the water. And we, pre- we presented that as a kashan of sheishas. Here, in this source you see from the word tahora that Adim b'medina sayam could stop the water from being effective. That is against that which Rabbi Shimon had been um, assumed to hold. So that is our question. Is there not the case where at the top of the Avzayim and Aleph or Yeshlo Adim sayam and from the Pesach we saw that the presence of witnesses abroad would stop the water. Ah, but 
Isn't there the whole problem of the laws, the bad uh, words that would be cast upon truly innocent women? We see that that doesn't seem to be a, 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 a consideration. The water is simply ineffective. The Gemara answers, Rabbi Shimon acknowledges, you're right. The water will be rendered ineffective if there are witnesses out there. But will that cause people to cast aspersions on truly innocent women? No, because low shrichot. It's uncommon. It's, un, it's unusual that a woman will have uh, uh, practiced immorality after her husband warned her, and people who know about it, the witnesses just so happen to be some far away, at a far away place right now. It's an unusual circumstance. So as a result of that, people aren't going to see this woman who drank the water and, uh, and nothing happening to her, and then saying, oh, she's really guilty, but she has Eidim and Esayam. That's not something that people think about. So therefore, people aren't going to say about a woman who was uh, unaffected by the water that she's really guilty, when in, but rather they'll assume that she is truly innocent. So that the uh, concern Rabbi Shimon had with regard to the matter of schus being tola, schus merit is something that is common, that consideration doesn't apply to the scenario of Edim B'nai Sayyam. With that, we conclude our Shior for today.